0: Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of Hoopstradamus. Kind of talking uh, basketball time machine today. Going back in time, talking with the all-time leader in steals in a game with 11. It's Kendall Gill of the Flying Illini. How you doing, man? Thanks for coming on the show. I am doing great. Thanks for having me. Excellent, excellent. Uh, So let's, let's start where no one expects us to start. Uh, everyone knows you for your playing days with the, the Nets and the, the Hornets and uh, the Flying Illini, but you're trying to get in the boxing ring against Jake Paul, and it, it looks like he's ducking you. So, what's going on there, man?
1: Yeah, I think he is. Um, you know, he, he wants to, I don't think he thinks I have enough Instagram followers, mm. <laughs> so he refuses to, to get in the ring with somebody that that's high risk. And what he perceives as uh, low IG turnout. But he doesn't realize that if he does sign the fight with me, uh, you know, the whole NBA is going to get behind me. And yeah. believe it or not, the NBA is bigger than Jake Paul. I mean, let's put it this way.
0: I know who you are. I don't really know who Jake Paul is. so Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think exactly. you take but he, him.
1: But, but, the thing is, but the thing is, he doesn't know.
0: <laughs> okay okay right, right. yeah the dangerous games we play these days with uh it's all about likes and follows you know but i hope i hope that happens uh how long have you been in this boxing community we we just mentioned before we started rolling that we have a mutual uh acquaintance mm-hmm. with uh macho and uh joshua hernandez
1: yeah I've, I've i've known macho and josh for almost uh 16 years so You know, I got involved heavy into boxing about 17 years ago. And, um, you know, I had four pro fights. And, uh, you know, here I am today still doing the same thing, still staying in shape. What's your record as a pro? 4-0. Okay, okay. Yeah, 4-0. In what what weight class you in? I fought two at cruiserweight and two at heavyweight.
0: Okay, so I see why Jake Paul doesn't want to fight you. Do you have any messages? You know, I I might have to tag
1: him in this. Yeah, I've I've sent him all the messages that that I could possibly send. I've called him out for a whole month, five or six times. And I'm sure he's gotten it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, what else can I do? I can't do anything else.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, he may be uh, ducking you in the uh, social media world because he can't be ducking you in the ring. So we'll see. But I'm rooting for it to happen. (laughs) Uh, All right. Yeah. Anyway, let, let's get back into it. Uh, let's start with a little bit of Chicago Bulls talk. Uh, I gotta say, I've been super excited. Uh, the first two games were a little rough, but you know, I talked with Sam Smith on the show a few uh, months ago, kind of doing a season preview, and he was saying that this team has a legit chance to uh, be knocking on that door as far as a playoff team. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think so. Uh, the way that they have competed with every team in the league um thus far this season i mean you look at they competed with the los angeles los angeles Lakers they competed mm-hmm. with the los angeles clippers um and every team they play with the exception of indiana atlanta and milwaukee they, they they've been in the game and they have actually lost three games because they they caused the loss they, they defeated themselves mm-hmm. so I, I think that this team is Boys to make a playoff run. Um, They're strong from top to bottom. They got a strong bench. They have a strong starting five. And now all they need is just time. You know, and once uh, they spend maybe two, three years together, you're going to start to see this franchise really take off again.
0: What are the big differences you see uh, in the Billy Donovan era versus the previous regime?
1: Players really like to play for him. You know, it's like... uh, He he works on them mentally like he doesn't like yell or or take you out of the game and sit you down for long periods of time. If you've done something wrong, he just tells you and you get it and he comes right back to you and you go right back in the game. That's key for to be a player's coach when they know what you're disciplining for. But they know also that they're going to come back to you and you're going to go back in the game.
0: Right on. Right on. Now. I kind of look at this team, and it's an interesting construction because uh, it seems like they have a lot of really good offensive players, but some of those guys are – and they're improving defensively, don't get me wrong. Uh, But do you think this construction is sustainable long-term, or do you think that they're going to be looking to make uh, some moves after this season?
1: Well, the team's always looking to make moves to get better. But I think that the core – the way that it is, if they can, if they have a successful season this year, which all things point to that, um, that, you know, they will um, keep the core together, but add little pieces here and there.
0: Okay. Okay. Definitely. And what does success look like this year? Is it about record or do you think a successful season is represented by something else?
1: I think a, a successful season is is measured by making the playoffs okay and and beating the record that they had last year you know when the new uh front office came in they said that this team is better than the record that it shows this season and you know I I totally agree with them
0: okay and then one thing I got to bring up especially for my guys uh working on this podcast with me we have a big group chat and we're a lot of us are Bulls fans. I'm I'm out here in Colorado. We got another guy in Alabama. Uh, we got some Heat fans in there. Uh, so mm-hmm. relatively well represented, but most of us are big Bulls fans and so we're watching most of these games. And one thing that's come up is this combination of Kobe White and Zach Levine. And I think in a best case scenario, you can kind of have a Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum type uh, two dog attack. But Sometimes it looks like they're just a little too similar. You saw some breakdowns at the end of the game with the Oklahoma City Thunder matchup where they weren't really seeing each other. But what do you think about that duo? Do you think maybe there needs to be a more traditional point guard involved?
1: No, I I like the duo, but I think that Zach Levine needs to handle the basketball most of the time. Okay. I I don't think Kobe is a great ball handler at this point. Yes, he can dribble, but, you know, sometimes he has a tendency to, turn the basketball over because his handle isn't good enough yet mm-hmm. um, to be a pure point guard in the league. But, you know, you can't beat the amount of firepower that you have in that lineup with those two on the floor, you know, because they either one of them can go off with 30 on any given night.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, when Kobe gets aggressive and when his confidence is, is up, it seems like he's, one of the more underrated just pure scorers in the league. And uh I, I love that he can kind of like create his own shot off the dribble and uh a very modern attack. So I'm loving what we're seeing from them. And this kind of leads me into a natural transition here. Obviously, Kobe's a very young guy. You played for a very long time in the NBA. When did you start to hit your prime? How and how do you how long do you think it'll take Kobe?
1: Uh I was I, I had pretty much hit it when I, in my second year, you know, it was my second year. I averaged 2020 20 plus a game. And, um, you know, ever, ever since that time up until I was thirty, probably about 33, I'd say that I was, I, I, that's how long my prime lasted. Okay. You know, when I was about, when I was about 34, I could tell my legs weren't the same. You know, I wasn't jumping as high and as easy as I once did. Um, so, you know, it, it lasted that long. I had, I had a long time.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, some some great years with the Hornets and then uh, the New Jersey Nets. I, I went back and watched some of those uh, clips from the 98 playoffs round one against mm-hmm. the Chicago Bulls and the GOAT, you know, I got a virtual background behind me, but if, if you could see what's actually behind me, it's a giant thing of Michael Jordan, right? This guy's larger than life. You got to play against him for years. What was that like?
1: Uh, it was difficult, you know, because he had no weaknesses. Um, then you throw him into the triangle offense, and mm. that's that makes it twice as hard to guard him, uh, you know, along with his his physical attributes, his, his skill level, and and that offense, man. It was it was quite difficult to guard him because never knew what he was going to do you know you didn't know whether he was going to take you to the basket you didn't know whether he was going to shoot the basketball
0: there's a lot of talk about well let's say legends right about some of his trash talk now this particular story you wouldn't have been on the hornets anymore but there were i've heard and read that he called Muggsy bogues a midget have yeah. you heard is this a true story
1: <laughs> yeah I, I believe it is you know but, <laughs> oh uh, my goodness that's that's the way he is when he competes, you know. Um, you get the best of him. And you know, unfortunately that's that's what he called Muggsy. <laughs> I mean Muggsy could play. Muggsy could play. Yeah, Muggsy's uh, a great player. Muggsy yeah. is a great player. Yeah.
0: Uh, and that kind of takes me to this next one. I'm excited to hear your answer for this one. I kind of gave you a heads up on it. And so if we had to make an all-time team of Kendall Gill teammates, you know, a starting five, who's on that squad?
1: Starting five, I would pick Alonzo Morning. Right. Larry Johnson. Gary Payton and Kevin Garnett.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. K G. Can't Real. go wrong with that. And then and then of course yourself.
1: Yeah, and then of course myself, yeah. Right on, right on, man. Because we got to have somebody play the two-guard position. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: That's a big lineup. So you're throwing KG or uh, Larry Johnson at the small forward there?
1: Uh, I'm going to put Kevin Garnett at the small forward. Okay. Okay, right on. Larry Johnson at the power forward, yeah.
0: Apart from Michael Jordan, and maybe, you know, if he's not your tough assignment, you know, that's a whole different answer for me. Uh, But who is the most challenging player to play against?
1: Mahmoud abdul raouf Okay. Yeah, formerly Chris Jackson. You said you're out there in Denver. Yeah. So yeah, he was drafted. He was drafted by the Denver Nuggets, and he was actually the hardest player for me to guard.
0: Interesting.
1: Because yeah, he just he was just so fast and could shoot the basketball, and you know had had moves that he could trick you. He was, uh, you know he go from he can go from a standstill, uh, to 100 miles an hour in a second. So, you know he was great
0: one of the things we do on this podcast sometimes we'll go back and watch you know hours of footage of old players mm-hmm. and we try to contextualize these players and he's one of the guys that we've talked about who we actually think might thrive more in today's game than mm-hmm. he would have in the era he played you got more of a green light to play uh, or, or to shoot the three and uh, that's the guy who is kind of maybe ahead of his time what do you think about that who was that? Uh, Mahmoud. My, my Mahmoud, yeah. yeah, yeah. He,
1: was, he was ahead of his time because of the way that, you know, he could handle the basketball and you couldn't touch him. You know, uh, back then, you know, we had physical uh, rules in the game where we could hand check you. Well, you, you really couldn't do that with Mahmoud because of how quick he was with the basketball. You know, you, you, he didn't really give you an opportunity to put your hands on it. Mm-hmm. So that's why he was ahead of his time.
0: Right on. And how do you think you'd fit into today's game?
1: Oh, I love it. I mean, it'd be easy to score because, you know, I was a slasher and, and a, an aggressive offensive player. And um, when you have players like that, they thrive in, in the league today because you just, like I mentioned before, you just can't touch the guys. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's easy to get to the basket. It's easy to get open shots. So, you know, I would love to play in today's game. Do you think it's gotten soft? Yeah. Because, because they've taken the physicality out of it because they allow the guys to travel. And, uh, you know, it's not – you know, I'm a, I'm a basketball purist, so it's not – can I don't like it because it gives the offensive man so many different advantages over the defensive man. Interesting. All right,
0: well, let's go the other way then. What players from today's game do you think would fit in and be just as dominant in the 90s then?
1: Uh, I think Westbrook, I think LeBron would, um, Kevin Durant would, uh, Kyrie, uh, let me see, uh, Derek Rose, because all these guys, you know, all these guys are physical guys. Right. That I'm that I'm talking about. Um, James Harden would still be good, but he wouldn't be like he is now because he's not particularly fast. Right. He's just tricky um and you would be allowed to hand check him so you could he wouldn't be able to get away with the stuff that he gets away with now you know because of the hand checking but there, there are some players that would be just as dominant though yeah Harden, today
0: harden's definitely you
1: know? an interesting guy with
0: the i i don't want to call it gimmicky but maybe i do you know he's very good at manipulating uh the rules manipulating some of those calls i feel like uh, a little Reggie Miller in there. You know, he's just a master at getting in the line.
1: Yeah, he's a master at getting to the line. And, you know, also, too, when you, when you have a superstar status and, and you score a lot of points, the refs are prone to call, give you most of the calls anyway when you go to the basket. All you have to do is sneeze, and they'll give you a, a yeah. call, and you can go to the line. So, you know, Michael Jordan was like that.
0: Right on, right on. Uh, all yeah. right, well, let's talk about some of your – greatest memories it could be a game it could be a moment uh but when you look back on your career what are the first stories that come to mind
1: uh when I scored the first basket of my NBA career I remember that like it was yesterday I I shot a jump shot at the top of the key over Patrick Ewing okay Um, and I remember the arena was kind of smoky because it, it was the first game of the season they had put um fireworks in the building and you know things had gone off like that so Um, also, uh, when I set the Steel's record, um, that was a, that was a great, that was a great day for me and, um, playing in the playoffs in the Boston garden, my third year in the league, you know, it was so hot in there, you know, and we had, I had heard all the stories about the garden, the leprechauns and all that here you're playing in this storied arena. And you see the, the the court has dead spots in it and everything, but it was a great place to play. So, you know, I, I really cherish that moment.
0: Right on. Yeah, that's actually at the top of my bucket list. You know, I got to mm-hmm. go see a game in the garden. Uh, yeah. I got to see MJ in D.C. I've seen some games uh, in Milwaukee and then uh, Chicago and uh, plenty of Nuggets games. But uh, I'm hoping that Boston – could be next and especially you know you talk about the leprechaun I, I wish i could go back in time and play in the original garden just just the history in that uh were there any players you looked up to growing up
1: uh well I, you know I, I i looked up to, to players like walter payton
0: okay. here in
1: chicago you know walter payton and uh i didn't really look up to, to middle basketball players uh Fighters like Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, fighters um, like that. Um, but when I came into the league, the only basketball player I can tell you I was in awe of was Magic Johnson. Okay. He was the, he was the only one, you know. And uh, you know I was I was taken aback when the first time that I played against Magic because I couldn't believe how big he was, right? And how how well he dribbled the basketball and the command he had over his team, you know, things like that.
0: Magic Johnson, uh, one of those guys like a LeBron James, you could say, or or a Giannis, not, I don't know if Giannis quite has it, but one of those guys who can play all through uh, all five positions. And Mm -hmm. uh, do you, do you consider that when you're, I guess rating your greatest players of all time. A lot of people will say, you know, LeBron James is the GOAT because he's, he's more versatile than Mike. Maybe then other people are going to say, well, Mike won the six championships and he, he was a better pure scorer. And so mm. uh, a, a little bit of a two-legged question here, what goes into your qualifications for being the greatest player of all time, and who's on that? Whether
1: short- you greatest player of all, uh, my certification is whether you can um, fill the stat sheet, win championships, win conference, uh, win finals MVP, um, and whether you can also regular season MVPs, all defensive teams. See when people talk about LeBron, I don't think you can put him in a conversation because you have to be part of the six-five club. That's six championships and at least five MVPs. Mm. Only two players that do that. That's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Michael Jordan. So until LeBron gets to that level, he's not even in the conversation. Okay. You know, that's, that's how I feel about it. Now, I feel Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest player of all time because... From high school to college to pro, there is nobody that touches his resume. Right. Nobody. Yeah. I believe Michael Jordan is the greatest NBA player of all time. Okay. Okay. And it took me a long time to come to that conclusion because I always would say Kareem. Because, quite frankly, Kareem's stats are just as good as Michael's in in uh, in the NBA. mm mm-hmm. But I give Michael the edge because of the commercial appeal that he had and he made the sport crossover and international. Okay. He transcended the sport. So that's why I give Michael the edge. But if I had the draft, if there was a draft and Michael Jordan and, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar were sitting there, I don't know who I would take number one.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong there.
1: You, know, you can't go wrong.
0: Uh, yeah. One of the things I think about Kareem – uh, he'd probably be just as dominant, as another ahead of his time guy, you know, mm-hmm. somebody with feet mm-hmm. like that and somebody who is uh, way ahead of his time as far as conditioning goes, you know, uh, from what I've learned, he got into Bikram yoga, you know, extends his yeah. by, by 10 years. People weren't even doing that except maybe uh, Phil Jackson. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> You're right about Phil, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Right on, man. Well, I'll let you get going uh, pretty soon here. Okay. But first, I got to ask you uh, a, a couple predictions as far as the NBA season goes. What mm-hmm. do you think is going to be the NBA Finals matchup
1: this year? I predict the Brooklyn Nets versus the Los Angeles Lakers in the finals okay. with uh, Brooklyn winning it. Ooh, OK, that's a yeah. hot take. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be a contrarian. I'm going to go on against everybody else.
0: I mean, I'm actually right there with you. I was actually saying before that trade that I thought maybe Brooklyn matches up better than anyone, but a lot of that had to do with the versatility defensively you have with Jared Allen uh, and DeAndre Jordan. And then uh, that's probably your best combo stopping a guy like Anthony Davis when you have uh, the quickness of Allen and then the, the brute strength kind of an old school rim protector in DeAndre Jordan. But yeah, it's certainly interesting. They're having some trouble tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers, but that's probably
1: you know those yeah. guys just trying to mesh. Yeah, they're just trying to mesh. I mean, it's the first day Kyrie is back. As a matter of fact, I have it on right now. It's one point five seconds left, in they're tied. But oh, okay, you know it's it's going to be it's, it's going to be difficult for them at first, but they have to find the happy happy medium, especially between Kyrie Irving and um, James Harden, as far as you know who's going to handle that basketball at the mm. end of the game. Yeah.
0: Well, when you got to force the defense to play any of those guys one-on-one and you take away the ability to help, that's just nightmares all over the floor. Uh, Yeah,
1: it's going to be tough.
0: What about uh, MVP and Defensive Player of the Year?
1: Defensive Player of the Year, that's yet to be seen. I don't know who's my front runner uh, so far, but um, MVP, I like Steph Curry. Okay. You know. Steph, Steph has been really playing well, you know, and if he can get his team into the playoffs without Clay, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the way that he's been playing, I like, I like Steph Curry because no player is more valuable to his team than he is right now. You know, as long as you're bringing up Clay
0: Thompson, I got maybe the hottest take of all time, so I got to get your thoughts on it. So mm-hmm. I, I've gotten into this. I have another podcast called Running with the Bulls, and I, I've gotten into this argument many times with my co-host Reed. But I keep saying I'd rather have Clay Thompson than James Harden. My reason being that you have this league where you have elite ball handlers, right? And they're going to create plays all over the floor. But I think it's more rare to have a guy who doesn't need the ball in his hands, who's super elite off the ball, and can get you 50 points with 11 dribbles. So if you're trying to construct a team, would you rather have a Clay Thompson or would you rather have a James Harden? And why
1: would you make your decision? I'd rather have a Clay Thompson all day long. Okay. Because you, you just said it, he doesn't have to dominate the basketball in order to be successful. And I believe in team play. So I believe in everybody touching the basketball. Yeah, we have to have a guy that you can throw it to um, that can get you a shot when when you need one. But I don't believe in a guy dominating the basketball and sitting there dribble, 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 and then finally goes there for a shot. You know, that throws the whole team out of rhythm. And, and what Clay allows you to do is – not he doesn't need the basketball all the time but everybody else touches it and everybody else gets into the flow of the offense now
0: you're talking my language i gotta i gotta send that clip to reed man he's gonna be pissed it's gonna be yeah
1: definitely send it to him
0: (laughs) (laughs) right on man uh well we always got to wrap up the show giving a quick shout out to our uh, graphic designer evan butris the wax cowboy you can find him on instagram and uh for the people who don't already follow you
1: on the instagram on twitter where can they follow you you can follow me at Official Kendall Gill uh, on Instagram. Can on Twitter, you can find me at Kendall G
0: thirteen. Awesome, Kendall. Well, thank you so much for hopping on the show with me. Uh, very okay. fun talking hoops with you. And uh, hopefully, right. we'll do it again soon. Tell Josh okay. I said uh, what's up, and uh, oh, maybe we'll get in a sparring session uh, this summer. All right, man. Okay. All right. Good deal. Take care, man. All right. Take it easy, Kendall. Peace. All right.